Tim, thank you for coming online and having this conversation with me. I want to start us off with something very, very big, kind of crazy big, really. Uh, but it, it, for me, I want to always start with the, the, the foundation. You love the big questions. I do. I, I, I do. <laughs> I you do. get all, I, I don't see any excited about do. the big questions. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I love the big questions and I am bouncy and excited about them. Um, and so the biggest question I can think of, although I'm sure there's others just as big, is what is life? What is this we're experiencing? You know, I've been doing it for quite a few decades now. And uh, what, what do you think it is? Well, um, and, and also, because just to say, because I know you're, you're, you're one of the things I love about what you're doing in the world is, is around purpose, is like in yep. the background, I've got, you know, what is it? These are two big questions. We'll, we'll really. get there. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> what is it and what do we do with it? I think those two, yeah. they're actually the same question, really. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when you ask me, what, what is it? My mind goes in two different directions with it. And um, based on kind of my two... I don't know, persona or something from growing up as a Scianto atheist. <laughs> Scianto atheist. I like that. Yeah, t- term I coined. You, you My well dad coined. was a minister. So by age six, I had absolutely disavowed all religion and all things ah. religious. Um, which my parents were very good sports about because I was, you know, in church being like, you know, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I had a whole kind of phase of my life lasting to my mid thirties where nothing spiritual existed for me. And I had to contemplate all these questions and it's challenging within that framework to try to answer this question. And you yeah. wind up with something like a, kind of self-reinforcing chemical process that's trying to, to fight against em- entropy, entropy or something like that as, as your answer, you know, yeah. that, that, that you get chemical processes that self-sustain and then they get successively more and more complicated um, as you're, so as we're better able to manage our environment, in theory, that means that we can game the system to our benefit so that we can continue to survive and reproduce. Right? Did you live with that for a bit when you were young? Oh, yeah. For how long? For how long? Uh, For, um, well, six to 35. What would that be? All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Was that 29 years? Yeah. (laughs) A substantial period of time living in that universe. And eventually had to, to sort of climb out of it because there wasn't enough meaning in it. Right. A a, a random ball of energy and gas and dust and stuff that happened to produce us. Yeah doesn't set one up well for your second question is what do we do with it? Yeah. If you start with that as your answer, it's kind of like, oh. <laughs> try and not die, I guess. Right, and try to reproduce. Yeah. Um, try to manage your circumstances for your own benefit. Yeah. Now, interestingly, in the absence of a good question, answer to the second question, even within that frame, there's a conflict, which is that we're not doing a good job of managing our environment for our own benefit. Mm-hmm. We're screwing up our environment, right? We're, we're pissing in our drinking pool. We're, we're messing up our ecosystem, which in theory, if we were, you know, well-evolved biological organisms, we wouldn't do that. True, but don't you, don't you think that the reason we're doing that is essentially because we've done extremely well at the, the, the things where, the, the level yeah, where we are. we've won at the game. We, we, we won we've big out, time. We've outgrown 
the it, mode that was the, successful uh, that got us to this point. You know? the, the bacteria in the Petri dish always come to mind. You know, so we've eaten the whole Petri dish and, you know, right. and, and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, we're at an evolve or die position and the answer of how to evolve doesn't seem to exist within that frame. So just as I personally had to climb out of that scientific frame to say, okay, if I want a meaningful life, I'm not going to find the answers here. For humanity, if we want to evolve to the next phase and take things forward in a way that we're really, really happy with, the answers aren't technological or scientific. They include technology and science to implement them, but the answers themselves are not technological. And that leads us over into the other answer, which is now if we enter the spiritual realm, then, then there's all this question about um, you know, spiritual entities having a physical experience and, you know, did I choose to incarnate? And if so, why? What was I hoping would happen when I decided that inhabiting this meat was a good idea? You know, <laughs> we get into this whole other realm of, um, you know, individual versus collective versus unity and ego versus soul and one life versus many and all this very, very complicated stuff that, that, that people talk about in many different ways, religiously, spiritually, and, and, and psychologically, that, you know, you know it, it can be very confusing. Just for myself personally, it seems to be at kind of our scale of living to be about growth and development, right? That we're incarnating to grow and develop and evolve. And if we're incarnating multiple times, which many people believe we are, um, then we're, in, we're incarnating multiple times to grow and develop more than we can grow and develop in one lifetime. Um, and, and what that's all for, that, that's, a, that's a really big question. And, and, and I'm uncertain of that, but I have some ideas. Anyway, I've been talking, your turn. Well, I wanna hear those ideas, but I just, just to say, you know, I, I'm, uh, for me, I think that w what you just said then is what attracts me so much. The thing which can bring those two parts of you together, because I, I have them too. I, I never had, I never had a period because I had an awakening when I was very young. It was the other way around for me. I went straight into the spiritual thing. Uh, science couldn't possibly give me meaning. I wasn't interested, and mm -hmm. and just had loads and loads of spiritual experiences and, and spiritual exploration. And then hit the edge of that, of course, because whenever whatever you go into, you find the opposite. So it's like, hang on, right. a lot of this doesn't work. This hasn't been thought through. This is kind of a lot of woo-woo. What's going on here? How, How do I tell I, if it's true or not? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, all of that. Exactly. So and that kind of pushed me back to, whoa, what so what was this science thing? And mm -hmm. a kind of a respect for that. So I kind of went the other way. And right. and but not not leaving this behind, but but yeah. but but kind of and, and the thing yeah, which, just as I didn't leave science behind, I exactly, think a perfectly exactly. valid way of exploring a big substantial chunk of exactly. what is. You know, it's, and it's and the, the the idea which is kind of dominating me for this last period has been that is that idea when you said it's about growth and development, it feels like yeah, that's right. And when I step back and look at the whole universe. Oh, that's what the whole universe has been doing for 13.8 billion years. So mm -hmm. maybe this is the place where they can meet is that the whole process we're in is one of emergence, evolution, growth and development. And the, then it reaches the soul level and it's doing the same thing. 
and yeah. that the whole thing has been like speeding up because it's got more and more rarefied and now we're, you, we're doing it now not on our, mm -hmm. on our bodies but we're doing it there and that and that feels like there's something profoundly meaningful in that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so and, and, go ahead I was going to ask you to, to say some more about what you were when you said that, you know, where it's going. Um, right. So then there's the question of why, why, why universe, mm -hmm. why sentient beings, why grow and develop, why all that. And, and for me, and this, this came as the result of a couple of what I guess would be called revelation experiences or enlightenment experiences the the, 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 we're all one thing. Yep. You know, <laughs> that thing, <laughs> that, that thing is the, that's a big thing. That one, the, 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 it's all one thing, yeah. Yeah. um, had me really contemplate and dialogue with things outside of my mind that seemed to be more informed about this than I was, um, to try to kind of reverse engineer what, 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 what was the motive? What was the motive in starting this whole thing? And, and, um, um, the, uh, the, the, the awareness, the very visceral awareness at one point that it is all one and that one, one is the loneliest number. One's a little boring, right? One, one doesn't do anything except be. And so if one were wanting more entertainment, one might want to become two or eight or 90 billion or infinity <laughs> so, to have somebody you, to play with. Are you with. saying this has all been about entertainment? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. And you picked up on that very quickly. Um, that, that the growth and development comes from uh, the fragmentation, right? That, that, yeah. that, the, that yeah. the, in the state of pure oneness, there's no need there's no need for anything. There's no, not probably not even any change, right? You, the, if it's just one under yeah, I think that's thing, right. It, I think that's exactly kind of right. I, I think you can make an um, argument for saying, well, I, I would make the argument for saying the one has no qualities mm -hmm. because all qualities are to do with that process that you say, Frank, right, it has all qualities and therefore none. Yeah. 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 Or, or <laughs> right. potential for all qualities. Right. 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 But, right. But actually, you and, know, Nothing. And so then comes the, and there's various different versions of this you can see through religion and spirituality and, you know, and Ken Wilber and various other places where, where you get the, you, the, the, you know, and the yin yang and everything where you get the, the, the as soon as you divide the one into two, yeah. which is, as far as I can tell, an arbitrary division and a kind of, it's, it's sort of, uh, let's, let's decide to treat it as two. Let's let's see it as two rather than one, because the one is still there, right? But to say, well, let's let's pretend it's really two, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a manufactured thing, and then once you have two, then you have you know mathematically as many as you want. Oh, so if we can divide, we can divide a lot, and now we have lots of people to play or playing pieces or however you want to view it to interact and bump and grind and do stuff and evolve and change and do all this thing. And now it gets really interesting. Now all kinds of stuff is possible. Um, and, and I think this applies both on the, the physical level, big bang to lots of gas, dust and particles, and on the spiritual level, the one to individual souls, entities, consciousnesses, etc. Basically the same process. Okay, so, so 
I'm in basic harmony with everything you've just said then. In fact, I'm quite excited because it seems there are, there are a lot of us who've probably been exploring this for a while. And, and so there is, I, I really think we need a new narrative and I'm sure that what you've just explored is, it's a very old narrative, of course, it goes back to the Tai Ching and all the rest of it, but sure. there's something about it in a new context. The, the bit I'm not so sure about is the opposite way around. It feels to me, uh, that, well, here's the idea which I've been exploring to see if it will work, which is to say that what this is, is the realization of potentiality. So there's the, the being, which you, you know, has no qualities, which is becoming, to use Plato's old phrase. So there's something which is timeless, formless, it is, and then that isness is informing everything. So the one quality that everything has is it, it has being, and then it differentiates in all these different qualities. And that that's an emergent process because it builds on the past. So it's always right, more. Because there's more, 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 more stuff. And more more information. And more there's just more past, more, more past, more past, more past. More and we've been doing whatever. that for, for billions of years. Um, <clears throat> and so within that, I'm wondering whether there's a new narrative for spirituality. Because what I see with all of the traditions I've written books on is that although they've got, they're beautiful and deep and there's you know, so much in there I love, they come from a time where it feels like that the 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 underlying narrative is one of fall, not evolution, but devolution. You know, it's like everything was great and we fell in an illusion. You know, the body, yeah, the team, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're the, trapped the, the, in Maya. And, and you get the, the good evil and the, yeah, yeah, and the, the job is to, to get escape, out of the trap, get, kind get of out thing. of this, which plays against, of course, the very thing we started off with, which was we're not taking care of our environment. But then, if you were trapped in it's an illusion, why would you? It's like right. just get just <laughs> right. get out. You know, yeah. it's like. Mm -hmm. And so that feels like, look, that, that's outdated now. And I wonder whether we can look at the evolution of the soul and of the whole thing, all of that as a, as a growing one process where, where more and more emergent levels are realized. And the most emergent level we have so far is this non-material level where we're having this conversation, which right. has arisen from a biological level, which is where right. spirituality takes off. Right. So we popped up a meta yeah, in, just like using you know, thought and language and matter turned into life, right. astonishingly, and yeah, then life you, turned into psyche. At, um, Neanderthals, this is interesting. I, I think I have this right. Someone may correct me, which I would be perfectly fine about, which <laughs> is that they found a lot of tools and other stuff like that that they created, but they didn't find much art. Hmm. Um, and so part of the, you know, the upgrade to the extent that, that we're different from them because we actually have their DNA and everything, but um, uh, is, is the, the sim symbology, right? The, 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 which, which is, that's that abstraction. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you, you, know, you, know, you know, clearly all forms of biological life are specialized in different ways and, you know, dogs can smell much better than us, etc. cetera. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing we've specialized in is the imagination. We've specialized and adaptability. In interestingly, we are well, biologically the... bred for adaptability. The place oh, where we lived in Africa, you'll love this. So, in, if you go in, the, you you can find out where humanity is from by looking at a map of genetics. Yeah, right? yeah. And the further you go from this one spot in Africa, the more uniform the genetics are. And and when you get there, there's like this massive amount of variation just in this one little tiny spot in the Horn of Africa, and. And so, the, and so we know that that's where we spent most of our evolutionary time. There were several waves of migration from there before we were even humans, but, but a lot of time spent there. And there were hundreds of thousands of years there where the climate would change 
frequently, like every thousand mm -hmm. or even sometimes every few hundred years. The so it would be desert and then forest and then swamp and then grassland and then forest again. And we were living there that whole time, which meant that we had to constantly change how we were constructing our housing, where, you know, how we were getting our food, what we were eating, how we were hunting, everything like that, constantly changing for like 300,000 years or something like that. So, so, so there's two things with that. One is that's a really optimistic story to be telling right now because mm -hmm. that you know, gives one hope and that's important to have. And the other thing is, it's like actually, because you said we were biologically that way, and then the reasons you gave were all actually to do with the imagination, the ability to cr cr create an environment, a house, all things that we actually imagine. And that, mm -hmm. and, and right. in response to in response to changing to, environment, to climatic and biological we have this forces. other thing. Yep. And and part of what I do a lot is just get people to take that seriously. It's just to go look. You know, you're experiencing a non a non physical dimension all the time, and it's yeah. the psyche or the soul. Right. When it's, you think about what you're going to do tomorrow, and you have a picture of like. Where, where do you think lunch or whatever it's like right. it's, yeah. where, where are we having this conversation i mean i'm sitting my body is sitting here making funny noises looking yeah. at a picture of your body make funny noises but in that right. process my, yeah, my dog I, when i put him in front of the screen my dog does not look at the people yeah right, right. He, he goes and does something else because he can tell those aren't people right he's not interested in the abstraction like that's not a person he knows you're not a person because you don't smell like a person yeah. right you don't if he licks you you won't taste like a person so he's completely uninterested because he's not interested in the abstraction of the moving picture of Tim. And he's a, only interested in the actual physical thing itself. I had, a, I had an experience, because you talked about, you know, that we have this other sensibility and, and about the art. And it really struck me. I, I go walking on the Somerset levels nearby where I, near where I live, because um, it's a beautiful place to think. And I was out there last year, I think it was, and uh, it there was a moment where I just stopped in my tracks and I looked because the moon, you know, the, when the moon's on the horizon, the moon was right on the horizon one way and I turned the other way and the sun was going down right mm -hmm. on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And it was, I, wow. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at the cows and they really didn't give a shit. Yep. They just weren't interested. They were not, nope, not even one of them was looking away. at saying, Yep. <laughs> just in that moon. Wow. You know, it's like nothing, nothing. Yep. And, and it really struck me what a huge shift that is that we have evolved to this point where we're looking at something which has been there forever. Right. Or cows looking at the stars wondering what they are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that appreciation of wonder in both senses of that intellectual wonder and that more aesthetic wonder, that, that's, it's amazing so that we've got to that place where we are the universe wondering at itself. And well, my, my question when we started is exactly that, isn't it? It's Good. And that, that raises another possibility. So we, we've already covered one potential purpose of it, which is entertainment, yeah. <laughs> right? That it wanted to entertain itself. So it fragmented I, I, itself. It, it, it's a little bit tough to be entertainment, I think. <laughs> there's a, there's a little uh, bit too know. much of the old suffering bit for it to be quite, you know. Really? How so? Don't you think? Not in, implicit in entertainment? I wouldn't say so at all, right? No, I, no. I split into two, so I have a playmate. <laughs> there's no suffering implied there. There's not, but there's an awful lot of suffering in existence. There is, uh, but I think that's, yes, yes. But, but back, to, back to this other thing, there's, there's a, another possible purpose here. Let's see if I can catch it for my, it exits my brain. We were just talking about 
um, oh yes, wondering about stuff, which is our ability to perceive the one. Yeah, I think, I that's think it. That's has it. value to it. Yeah, and, I think and this this came from a, a, a revelation I had of of really the first time I saw the one like as a symbol in my mind. It was this big gray cloud, and what I was seeing was flashes of light in the cloud. And each flash was an individual sentient being becoming enlightened. And in that moment of enlightenment, remerging with the one, right? R remembering that it is the one. And it's in that moment of transition from I'm separate from and seeking the one to I am, I am the one. In the boundary between those two, the one has a momentary experience of being able to see itself through the eyes of the individual. And I thought, there, I, there's... I love that, Tim. I love that. I love that. I'm just sorry. I've just got it was the one being two. I was just looking at my screen and there's two Tims and it was suddenly a bit sort of, oh, there you are. What you just said then, uh, it, it for me, is, 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 is so important. It feels like absolutely that the, the, the latest thing that I can see happening is that souls have emerged to such a level that more and more of them are realizing, oh, I am this individual, but actually I'm the oneness. I'm the one being as this individual. And then something happens. I call it unividuating. You become a univigil, an individual conscious of unity. And the image which you just gave is actually in my book, Soul Story. Exactly that image. And it's not my experience. It was a, a lady who had a near-death experience. Actually, it's, I think it's, I think, you know, it's an old, old alchemical image. You find it in alchemy. The, of, the, of the scintillas, the, the, the sparks and coming back up into the light. She had this vision uh, when she had a near-death experience, uh, very similar, just this, the, the sparks all coming back up to light and others falling away, and others coming back up and others falling away. And my sense, which I tried to explore in, the, in my last book, was the, the, the mistake with the fall is that we've fallen from it and we just need to go back to the one, dissolve the separate self, end this illusion, wake Check. the hell up, Done. we're no self again, hurrah. It's as if it never happened. Mm -hmm. which, which, you know, like the drop, the drop back into the ocean. Returning to the ocean. Which yeah. sounds great until you think about it. But if you think well, about actually, it, Tim, it doesn't sound that great to me. It I'm very pleased. even remotely I, appealing. I, well, <laughs> I'm so pleased, Tim, because so many people, <laughs> I did think it was appealing because I didn't think about it. And actually, of course, it destroys all the meaning that, that we were talking about earlier. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. The meaning's mm -hmm. just gone. It meant nothing. Mm -hmm. And so my, so what I'm playing with is the, is the opposite idea that actually we are forming as ever more robust individual souls in order not to dissolve back into the one, mm -hmm. but to be conscious of it because to mm -hmm. be conscious is to have a subject object relationship. So it yes. needs that individuality. Mm -hmm. If you dissolve back into it, you're actually unconscious. But if you can, if, and like in meditation, you know what, you know, if you, if you can stay conscious in those very deep places, you can be conscious of the one, but the temptation right. is to just go unconscious. Right. And, and that's, and, boy, that's the Tibetans are big on that stuff with the bardo and the sleep yeah, yoga and all these things absolutely. where it's like really trying to stay aware in states where it's almost impossible to stay aware. It's Except like, what the Tibetans have is they, 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 they have the idea, at least the, in all the stuff I've come across, I mean, there's so many schools, so probably mm -hmm. one's mm -hmm. different, but is the idea that your ultimate goal is to dissolve back into the... That's right. That's the, a the, fundamental Buddhist The, the clear so, light of yeah. potentiality. Yeah. The, the, mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. That's where you're heading. And, and 
what resonates much more for me is the opposite of that. Like, no, go into it for as long as you can. And the more you are able to, the more your soul has evolved and, and, and emerged and, and formed itself, become robust, the more it can do that. So that mm -hmm. the sparks aren't, it's almost the opposite. It's like, it, the, it is the sparks. Mm -hmm. The more mm -hmm. sparks come, come together, the more the it's 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 arising well, and, from that. and if the original goal of shifting from one to a duality was to have the differentiation and the richness and you know the palette to paint with the the you know the different flavors on the menu however you want to look at it that that variety requires those individuated bits to stay individuated to at least some degree um, now it's possible that when they return to the one the one is changed by the fact that they've yes. spent time as individuals yes and when they merge back in the the one is now richer and more whole and more complete or more something as a result of being composed of sparks that were separate as opposed to having been just one thing and never having been separate so it's possible that there's an enriching uh, experience okay, let, me, let me try this out on you tim tell me what you make sure. of this this is a kind yeah. of big crazy idea which i love mm -hmm. um i have been playing with with this evolutionary idea i've been playing with kind of very similar to you a kind of taoist version of the beginning one becomes two, mm -hmm. two becomes three three becomes the ten thousand things mm -hmm. i have a slight variation but we'll come back to that it's not important mm -hmm. and 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 a kind of feeling that where it's going it much more in harmony with a christian view if anything so that mm -hmm. The idea that, that that God is the Alpha and the Omega, but in the in the in the as the as the primal state, it's just potentiality. It's that's mm -hmm. the clear light of luminosity. That's the emptiness, the thing that mm -hmm. can be everything but which is nothing, will mm -hmm. evolve into all of these right. levels. That's, that's the that's the dot before the Big Bang. Yeah, right? it's got a whole universe in it, but not yeah. yet. Yeah, but not yet. <laughs> and that where it's going is a bit like Tia de Shada, where it's going is, is this being of love. I have, you know, my, my, my relationship with the one is not just like the one, it's like this, this enormous love, this huge compassion, wisdom even, yeah, definitely. And, and there's something, so my feeling is, I think that's what's emerging. As our souls come into communion with the one, another level of evolution is arising, which, is a conscious oneness and that mm -hmm. conscious oneness my experience of conscious oneness is that is love that's what it feels like that's what mm -hmm. lo oneness love is what oneness feels like and the, the, this so the communion of souls in the christian tradition the communion of souls there's god and the communion of souls around god and i'm kind of playing with the communion of souls is god though mm -hmm. the, each spark coming together as an individual creates mm -hmm. something greater a bit like my hand or my whole body is a communion of cells and the, the, our, 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 our souls are forming a, a higher communion. So the right. universe is kind of blossoming into God. It hasn't come from that. And, and the cells, in order it. to have successful multi-celled organisms like us, we had to, the, the cells had to reach a certain level of functionality before that was possible. Exactly right, yes. They had to become skillful Pers enough precisely. to be able to function as an organism. Yeah. And before that, they were, they were great at being independent, but not great at playing well with others, right? Yeah. So there's this getting better at playing well with others, bringing ourselves together. And, and the other process, and this comes out of my work with the True Purpose Institute and the book True Purpose, which is that it's possible to communicate with the one. Yeah. 
if one doesn't believe in the one, then it's not possible to communicate with the one. But if so, one does, <laughs> then it's possible to have a two-way dialogue with it. Yes, yes. And, and, and for me, that's why there is a transcendent one and there's a primal one. Now, it's the same one, obviously, but a bit like, you know, Tim started in, you know, as a, 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 a fertilized egg and, and came into this. And only at the end did he become this conscious, ensouled being having this conversation. A bit like the whole universe is doing that. And, it's a, and so the thing which we have the conversation with is the most emergent aspect of the universe. Not mm -hmm. where it's come from, but the, the good to which it's going. Mm -hmm. And that's why it can re that's why when we touch it, there's real wisdom there. Is that your mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, when you say the most emergent, are you saying in current time or are you talking about the omega? I'm saying it's well, it, it is emerging. That's yes. what I would okay, that's good. what I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. It's emerging. So that so yes, the 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 the, the sort of the the universe as it as has grown to be now. The greatest point um, it's reached so far. Yeah, the high water mark, you might say. Yeah, and yeah. and so so yes, and so gives great advice, plays yeah. win win, very friendly and loving, doesn't get frustrated or pissed off. There's yeah. all these kind of features of it. Funny. <laughs> There's all these kind of features of it that help you help people know because they're saying, "How do I know if I'm really talking to the one or its equivalent in their belief system?" And the answer is, well, it. If you are, it's going to sound something like this, you know, and so it, it's, it'll make you laugh. <laughs> it'll make you laugh. Yeah. And it may scare you, too, because it may have higher visions for you than you have for yourself. So um, so there's it's definitely and it definitely has this intense impulse towards growth and development as the integral people talk about this evolutionary impulse. Right. I mean, it, it really is the embodiment of that. And so. Um, in my experience, the communication between the individual ego and the one has a transformational effect on the ego. Just yeah. to have the conversation does, yeah. regardless yeah. whether you're talking about the weather or football scores or it doesn't matter, it has a transformational effect on the ego to engage in that relationship. And then that poses a very interesting question to the ego, which is how do I wanna to relate to the one? And the way religion traditionally teaches it, most religion, is either to be obedient to the one, Christian, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, or to merge with the one, Buddhism, right, Taoism, etc. And that's a fairly short list of options, and I think there are others. I do too. What do you think the options are? This is very good. Well, one that people don't really talk about much but do a lot of is ignore it. That's okay, definitely that's an option. On the menu. Yeah, that's a very that's a really popular. <laughs> that's a very popular, popular option. option. Yeah, not one to be dismissed. Yeah, yeah. Um, another that doesn't occur to people, besides because both merging at the expense of an individual individuated self, or obedience, both of those place the ego in a subservient position. Yeah. Right. One yep. good ego, not as good or yep. outright bad. Yep. Servant, yeah. Um, servant or needs to be gotten rid of. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, and the option that doesn't occur, and I credit Neil Donald Walsh with this one as one of the discoveries of it, is the what about peer relationship? And that's very hard on the ego to conceive of itself as a peer with the one, with the, with the all of existence. It's not hard for the one to consider that, but it's really hard for the ego. 
and there's this wonderful place in in uh, conversations with God where Neil is arguing with God and God's saying, well, why wouldn't you want to be a peer with me? What's wrong with that? And he's like, but, but, but you're God, ah, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's one of the emerging options that people don't normally consider. What if you were partners in the same way, Tim, if you and I were 50, 50 owners of a business, if we disagree on whether we're going to get into this market or work with this client or sell the company, the conversation's not over yet. Because if we're 50-50 owners of the company, we have to agree in order for it to be an answer and a decision, right? What if it were like that? What if I and the one had to agree about whether I was going to take this job or marry this woman or whatever? I'm just trying to think how I feel in that conversation which has been going on for a long time so mm -hmm. um certainly it's not obedience mm -hmm. there's an element of service mm -hmm. um big element of service actually but i think really my 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 well there's lots of things firstly in my conversations i feel like i feel like each i feel like in my soul there's a very deep place um one of the traditional names from the gnostic tradition is the, the daemon or the genius mm -hmm. which has touched god so it's the part of me which is one with god and the what one I, that came from the light and longs to return to it that yeah time. or yeah. or has reached up to it i'm not sure that came from it i think it's actually mm -hmm. becoming it and mm -hmm. and has probably been it in previous deaths and well and, if it was all one at some point then we all came from it so oh true enough but then that's true of everything yeah, that's true right. of the whole thing and exactly. um, uh, all levels but but this is the kind of the most that i've been able to to connect with that transcendent being. And so therefore it has a very, what it, it feels like everyone's relationship with it therefore is, is in their own person. It's a bit like, I remember when I was very young traveling in India and saying naively to this gentleman who was taking me around going, how many gods are there in India? And he just said one for every single person. And it was that element. It's like, oh yeah. So the 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 the. Yeah, it's like that in California. We have one religion per person. <laughs> yeah, good. So the feeling of look, my the, the 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 character that God has, a bit like in the polytheistic traditions. You know, where if you're a musician, you go through the god of music. If you're a thinker, you go through the god of wisdom. It's like, or, mm -hmm. and and that therefore one's own experience with the transcendent which is beyond all that will have the character of one's own deepest self so there's mm -hmm. that element mm -hmm. and then there's the element for me of being very careful i always question it deeply because i feel i'm quite capable of fooling myself and all of that one of the skills of the ego self-delusion yeah i can yeah really it's easy to do and 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 everything needs to be questioned especially revelation um mm -hmm. probably um is it a peer? I don't know. Probably because it's all the same thing. I... Well, I'm I'm suggesting that as an as an option. I'm not saying there's one answer. I'm yeah, saying yeah, the yeah, ego yeah, yeah. has to decide how to relate to the one. Do I personally want to ignore it, worship it? I know what it is, Tim. It's when I it. when I when here. I think that when I come into that place, especially where I'm going, like what what should I do, and you know, guide me, the I get an awful lot of, if, if, with that, that would just sound stupid, as if it, the, the, the message I get back is more like, hmm, so what do you think? <laughs> it's yes, like, that's right. It's like, uh, I, there was a moment of transition in my life when I did a, a year's meditation when I was 23, 
uh, in this little pink cottage by a river on my own and pretty much. And there was a moment where I, I just, it was a, such a childish thing really, but it was a shift. I, I kind of realized I had this image that, that there was some great being looking down on me going, is he going to get this right? Oh, disappointing. Oh, that's quite good, quite good. Oh dear. And that everything life was like a tester. Do you see how I did when I was yeah, that, That's the out-projected critical father version. Yeah, yeah. And then what came back to me, the image I got which replaced it was this transcendent being going, oh, I wonder what Tim will do now. Yeah, well look, look he's meditating for a year, ooh, cool. Who would have thought wonder he how did that's that? Go. Ooh, yeah. I'm not sure that's gonna work out, but let's see. It was more Way like, less judgmental. More like the, that, and, and just, but yeah. also not with, a, not with like a plan for Tim, but more like mm -hmm. interested because Tim was the creative, he, Tim was a peer in the sense that Tim was responsible for this. And right. was therefore was li was creating a life, creating mm -hmm. a soul, mm -hmm. uh, co-creating at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does this fit with purpose? Obviously, it does. And true purpose—that's a very strong thing. True. Yeah, purpose. that's a bold term, isn't it? Yes, you know, um, let me put that on your book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Asking for trouble. <laughs> you um, got the word "true" on your book, man. That's so. There's there's the you know there's the purpose of everything, which I think we're on shaky ground when we declare, so I prefer to speculate, right? So there's the, the entertainment, there's the, the one seeing itself through our eyes, the growth and development. We've covered several different possible purposes of everything, it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and my experience is like, I noticed myself when I was saying about, oh, it all seems to be about growth and development. I was thinking, well, Tim, you know, you're all about growth and development. There are other people who are not nearly as into growth and development as you are. And for them, it may not look like it's all about growth and development. Like, that sure. could be an out projection of me onto sure. the one. And I noticed that when people say, oh, you know, Rick Warren says the purpose of everything is, you know, of everyone's life is to worship God. And Eckhart Tolle says the purpose of everyone's life is to bring you know, presence into being in every moment, right? To be fully present. That's everyone's purpose all the time. And, and my conclusion, while observing myself and them, is that we all project our own purpose onto the one. And it's like, what, what could be more natural, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very big, very big question that I don't really have a great handle on. I have my personal theories. Um, but the, the, to me, the more useful and interesting question is what's the purpose of that spark and what's the purpose of this spark and of her and him and it and that and this organization and that country? Because that's knowable. That's something we can figure out. That's something we can find and divine. Um, and I think the answer to that question is way more useful for me as an individualized self living in a dualistic frame my purpose is more useful to me than the purpose of everything. I can make more immediate use of my purpose. I can use it to chart a better or different path, to get more fulfillment, to grow and develop faster and more effectively in ways that serve me and others better, to have a positive impact on the world. I can use my purpose for all of those things. Totally optional. I don't have to. I mean, I have free will. I can choose to play the purpose game or not. But if I do, then there's all these cool benefits I get for doing it. And so most people either just wonder about their purpose or try to figure it out based on their history. And what we like to do is consult with the one or with the soul or with whatever 
the equivalent is in your cosmology, right? God or your dead grandmother or your higher self. We don't, we don't care. <laughs> and and in your, because you're there, people listening, their universe may not, your and my universe is kind of similar. Theirs may not be, right? Their, their universe may not be sentient. They probably would have hung up by now, but their universe may not be sentient, in which case it's not a candidate to inform them about their purpose. But for most people, somewhere in their belief system is something that knows more about their purpose than their ego does. And so if you can call it up and ask it, then it can tell you, and then you can just learn the answer to the question. And, and so that's, that's what we do at the True Purpose. So, you're, so you're, you're helping people, however they conceive it, not getting caught up in, in a metaphysical language, just going, look, whatever, whatever you're a bit like AA, you know, your higher being, whatever it is, exactly. whatever, whatever you call it. You, if you want to find out your particular purpose, the best thing you can do is connect with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I, I can, yeah. So, so in my language, that would be exactly that idea of the, the genius within the soul, the, the deepest thing that you're touching, which is in touch with the one, and and that makes complete sense to me. So here, here's here's an attempt to bring those two purposes together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's a long shot, but let me have a go. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so here, um, I'm going to have to say something about time. Um, uh oh. One of the we, I t- said earlier about playing with the idea that the universe is the realization of potentiality on ever more emergent levels. Mm-hmm. And I said, what I notice about two things about the moment, every moment, is one is it realizes a whole new potentiality, never happened before. And the other, which fascinates me, is that it contains implicitly within it everything that's happened. The mm-hmm. whole of the past is implicit in the moment. So it mm-hmm. seems to me that the past hasn't gone anywhere. It's implicit in the moment. And therefore, mm-hmm. it's better to see the past not as passing, but as accumulating. Mm-hmm. And that although we think of things as things, actually everything is a process. Everything mm-hmm. is a, the whole universe is a process and processes mm-hmm. are made of time. So my, my particular philosophy of identity would be to say everything, including you and me is made of the past. So I, you, I'm meeting everything that Tim's ever been, everything you've ever experienced, the lot going right away. Right, this back. is sort of the leading edge, which that, yeah, that, can be traced the, back to all that just, other just stuff. Ev- that, everything that is happened. there. That what makes you you. you. You're this individuated part of this process of, of emergence, which is individuated into Tim Kelly meeting Tim Freak, and he's uh, all of him, and maybe going in with the soul, going back before this life, and everything, is mm-hmm. is is actually what we are. What I like about that, well, there's lots, but the one thing which is relevant to this is it feels like, oh, so, so we're, we're in a process of forming ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're doing it anyway. I'm now formed. This is now part of me. You're inside me forever. You know, it's like this has happened. Mm-hmm. It's never, it will never happen. Yeah, but I'm also but, forming what's happening in the next moment and the next yeah, moment. The one after and, that. We, and we can either just run with it, let it unfold, or you can consciously choose to engage with how you form it. So there's this universal sense that, well, you're, you're forming your soul. That's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then it's your soul. It's not any soul. It's mm-hmm. yours. And how you form your soul will be a distinct, it will be the meeting of everything you've, you have been with everything you could be. And the ability to look into the anything you could be will allow you to see possibilities and not just repeat the past. Mm-hmm. And then each one of us is fulfilling something universal, which is what the whole universe is doing, actually, which is constantly, mm-hmm. how can I emerge? In a, how can I, I, I realize myself in a more emergent way? Mm-hmm. 
and then each one of us is doing that individually and we have the chance to engage with it with it consciously and what i see in the work you're doing is a fantastic opportunity for people to actually do that to engage with it in that way as you say something and i'd be curious for your opinion about this i, li I like the idea that everything's a process right it's a, it's the process unfolding through time um, and that goes things that appear physical, like if you understand what's going everything. on at the subatomic level. It's, everything is. The whole um, universe is a time. So I'm, I'm right now incorporating atoms from what I ate last night into my being. And later I'll get rid of some that have been hanging around potentially for years. And so the, the, the image I like is one of a, a knot on a rope where you're moving the knot down the rope. Um, so that the knot, so if you, if you had an infinitely long rope with a knot tied in it, but it tied loosely so you could like slip it along without it binding, you can move the knot down the rope. The knot has a sense of identity, has a form and a shape and characteristics, but at any given time, it's not composed of the same stretch of rope as it was before. And so we're like that as we move through time and through space is that it's not, it's not the same atoms now as it was a few years ago, right? Except for your teeth, everything else gets in your body gets replaced. Um, and so uh, including all of your bones oh, get wow. completely replaced. I know, isn't that amazing? Isn't it, you know. Now statistically, there's probably an atom floating around in there that was there when you were born, but you know, over time, there's gonna be fewer and fewer of them. So, so we're like a knot in a way that we're this, the, this form that has this appearance of constancy through time, more or less, but it ain't the same stuff as it was before. And I think the same is true psychically and psychologically and spiritually that we're constantly evolving and constantly shifting. And, you know, I'm, I'm really not the same person I was when I was 26 in Absolutely. an interior way, well done. but I have memories of being that person. Yeah. And so there's this sort of illusion of continuity that tells me that I'm the same guy. Is it, is it an it, but isn't an illusion? Or I think it, in some respects it is, and in some it's not. See, I would, say, this, I would say this is this thing that's talking to you is the result of a process that included that earlier. Yes, and in that so if way, the identity is identified with the process, then yes, yeah, I am the thing. Exactly. That's what I. That, that I think that's the jump I'm trying to make. Is let's right, identify right. Every, every if the whole thing is this process of time, mm -hmm. where one thing happens after another, and we and and it accumulates, then we're forming ourselves. We are the process. So mm -hmm. that's way back there, but it's still there, but it's way yep. back there. And, yep. and, and what I love about that is that for me, the, the moment is, is creative. It's actually mm -hmm. the place where, we're, where it's becoming new, or it's always new, new, new. It includes everything that's been, but it's always new. And then, Even if and, it all looks exactly like it did before, yeah, it's still well, all It's not, though, because e that's what I mean. What's so lovely is even if a moment were to be exactly the same, which it never has been, mm -hmm. it would still be different because it included the one before. That's right. And, and the other one didn't. And it didn't, you know, and, yeah. and, and so on and so on. So yeah. it's this incredible process of accumulation and creativity. Let me try something on you. Okay, because okay. I think this gets into like, so as a, if I if I agree with this and say, Oh, look, I am an unfolding process. Yeah, that includes this stuff, but hasn't always included this particular stuff. And in the future, it won't, right? That's all the knot. That's, you know, that, that's the that's the rope. But the knot the process, that's the constancy. That's the thing. But the process changes over time. I'm not the same process I was before. 
it even even leaving out the fact that it includes moments that weren't there before the nature of the process itself has evolved yeah as a result of going through time and having all these experiences and everything like that. So different process now looking forward there's all this potentiality of all these things that my process could cause to happen and could evolve into and become but there's a catch i think you'll like this as part of the maintenance of my sense of individual self and the part of the maintenance of the survival of my individual process um, i engage in repetitive stuff I brush my teeth, I eat, I sleep. I go back to the same house to go to sleep every night, right? I have the same wife and the same kid that I had yesterday. So there's all these routines and rituals and things that I engage in, some of them for safety, some of them for survival, some for comfort, some to maintain the illusion that things are staying the same when in fact they're not because it's very kind of confronting to look at the you know, the rawness of how everything's always changing. Um, and because of that, I may be unable to perceive much of the potentiality that exists for me because of my habits of perception and my habits of repetitive behavior and repetitive processes that I necessarily must engage in. Like if I decided never to repeat anything ever again, I wouldn't last very long. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be able to speak. <laughs> right, wouldn't be able to eat. Um, so, uh, so, but, but, the, but the the window of what I can see of the possible potentiality is narrowed by habit, custom, belief, um, tradition, all these sorts of things. And so, much of it's not perceivable by my conscious mind, which is one of the other benefits of talking to the one or its equivalent is it is not bound by those constraints and it can suggest stuff to me as possibilities that would never occur to me on my own because of my habituation. Fantastic. So in the philosophy I've been evolving, the, the idea that the, the past is the foundation of the present would be that the whole universe is a gigantic habit. So, it, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Rupert Sheldrake um, uh, talked about, you know, he took it from um, um, uh, Pierce and the, the Pierce, 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 I forget his name. Um, but uh, Liam Smolin's playing with it at the moment, the physicist. It's like, there's not laws of nature. That's a ridiculous analogy. That needs a lawmaker. There's habits of nature. And, and nature has got into various habits. And then it's erosion of me. And look, I've got this habit. I do this with my funny thing with my arms. I speak with a West Country accent from England, blah, blah, blah. I'm a habit. But I'm not just a habit. I'm a habit. In, I, I'm, I'm the, the moment is where the past and the possible coexist. And the possible is that formless being still. It's still the, the thing that could be anything. And that's right here, right now. And then there's everything it's been. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and, and like you said, it's a really good thing that the universe has habits, but it's also, it can, you know, it's, it's also it very limited. It can be an unnecessary constraint. At yeah. That. So somehow it's like the ability to be conscious of the possible, to find something beyond us. And, and what you were saying about reaching out to, to something which is a transcendent, a form of emergence, something bigger than ourselves, to mm -hmm. to get that perspective. I can absolutely to, to broaden the, the options on the menu. Yeah, right? yeah. To say to say, okay, here's what habit would tell me. Here's what my imagination that goes beyond habit would tell me. 
And then here's all this other stuff so, that so something do you think, unconstrained by my habits could potentially tell. Do you, do you think, to, I, I've, if, so I think about, about my life, I've, you know, I've been, mm -hmm. I've, I've been incredibly lucky all the way through, mm -hmm. and most of it's actually been dominated by creativity, not just mm -hmm. writing, but music, and endless creativity, just like, just huge amounts of creativity. And what I love about the creative space is it sounds very much like that. It's like, what happens for me and I wonder whether this is the same thing that you're describing and whether it's common for everyone is it feels like I touch something and I know it's there. It's like, I'm, sh it's like I'm being shown something or I feel something and then I, I don't, Oh, it's there. I know it's there. And then my job is to try and reproduce that as best I can. And it's a really, mm -hmm. it, it, but that has that same quality. And it's always, I'm always looking and excited by the thing, which is beyond anything I've thought before, beyond anything I've created before, beyond the, an idea which is more, or sound which is greater. And, and I wonder whether that is something which people who are lucky enough to have creative lives experience a lot, that kind of touching something big. I've certainly heard people talk about that, like people who, you know, write books and say, well, you know, I, it's my name on the cover, but honestly, I downloaded the book. I didn't, you know, I didn't sit down and these aren't my words, you know. Or people who say the same thing about a painting or a sculpture. I feel it more like an interactive thing, more like your peers thing, actually, for me. Well, it's but the, like... and, and there's, I think it can go different ways. And, and, you know, I'm not an artist. I mean, I've engaged in creative activities in my life, but I think that there's the, there's the inspired creativity where something moves through me and I'm very simply a, a channel for it. There's what you're talking about, which is, more how I write, which is I'm in relationship with a larger thing, but also including my own stuff in it. So it's a collaboration, right? So it's a, we're working together. And I think there's plenty of people who are consciously and perhaps entirely, I don't know, cut off from that larger sense. And their creative task is a personal one. Their own identity is coming up with an idea. Well, what if we did it this way? Or what if we did it that way? You know, there's certainly um, a feeling, isn't there, when you touch something which comes in, which is more than you expected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's something about those ideas, which I would say for me, they possess me. Mm -hmm. I thought, or probably more accurately, I fall in love with them. They're mm -hmm. so beautiful. It's like I'm working on a whole thing on what is consciousness at the moment. And, and I'm also working on some music. And I've fallen in love with the thing I want to try and do. And I love it mm -hmm. so much. I put myself through this creative agony <laughs> of mm -hmm. failing and trying and go, and it's like, a, but I love it so much. It's like, it's like, it's all, it's so beautiful. And that feels always like touching something greater, something transcendent. Mm -hmm. I've also felt compelled when touching something. Compelled, like this, yeah. The compelled. true purpose process was compelled. like that for me. Definitely. Where it was like, well, Tim, here's how you find people's purpose. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I have to do this, don't I? Like, yeah, ugh. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to be able to die happy if I don't give this thing a shot. Um, and the same with the book. Like, uh, <laughs> I was, yeah. we're, we're updating the book, and I was reviewing the, you know, the introduction. And in there, I basically say it's 4 a.m. and I had to get out of bed and start writing this book because I couldn't sleep. And and that was true. You know, it was like lying there in bed with the the opening to the book in my mind, going, "Okay, Tim." Are you going to write it down tonight? You didn't last night, you know. <laughs> so sometimes it feels a little more compelly and sometimes a little more optional in my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I resonate with all of that. I really do.
Tim, I want to ask you a particular question, if that's mm -hmm. all right, about your work, because um, it just interests me for my own experience as well. And, and, and that's when you, when you talk about change agents and messengers. Mm -hmm. And that, I, I found them very interesting terms, and I wondered if we could, you could tell me what they are. Sure. These are my own personal arbitrary definitions of this particular process offering to that one. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't claim to own the dictionary, but um, to me, the, the, the whole idea of a change agent is I, I've just noticed this is, you know, another arbitrary distinction through the one um, that there's a whole group of people and the number of people seems to be increasing in this crew who feel a personal sense of responsibility and accountability for changing the world. Um, there are many people who watch the news or whatever and look at it and say, wow, what a freaking mess. I wish someone would do that about something. Someone would do something about that. And there's a subset of those people who in their mind, when they say that, hear a voice telling them, yeah, and that's you. You're, you're the one, you're the one who's supposed to fix that, get busy. Um, and those people know who they are because they've heard that internal dialogue for years so all I have to do is go in front of an audience of people and say, a change agent is someone who feels a personal responsibility for changing the world and has a voice in their head telling them it's their job. Raise your hand if you're a change agent. And all the hands, a whole bunch of hands go up because they know they can correlate that with their internal experience. Oh yeah, that's me. Now, they may or may not be doing anything about it. They may or may not be happy about it. There's all sorts of other things that could be going on, but that fundamental piece is there. Um, and, you know, we think of those in terms of activists, but that's just one. I mean, there are people in all walks of life doing all sorts of different things who fall into that category. So, so that's a change agent. Any comment or question about that? I mean, I'm pretty yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even really have to ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I think I, that's a lovely term. I think it's lovely the idea of saying, you know, letting people acknowledge it to themselves, and and us acknowledging it to each other. I think it's a. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. a change agent. And let me say, part of what's important about realizing you're a change agent is you can get in friction and arguments with people who aren't, which goes away if you understand I'm a change agent, a change agent, and she's not, and that's where the value system dissonance is. Okay. And yeah, so for you. example, if I'm a change agent and I'm having a, I, I lost my job and I'm thinking about, I need to get a new job, but I'm also thinking, you know, this next new job should put me in a better position to transform society. And, and if it doesn't, that's going to like piss me off and bum me out. So now I start like trying to figure out like what my purpose is or what, what to do next to position myself to have an impact. And the people around me are like, you're getting confused. You're getting sidetracked. You're supposed to be getting a job so you can make money. You're making it harder than it needs to be. Oh, God, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, yes and no. I'm making it harder, but not harder than it needs to be. Yeah. Not, how it, not how it works in here. Yeah. And, and you can wind up with people giving you all sorts of advice that you know intuitively is absolutely wrong for you, even though it sounds very reasonable, because they're not change agents and they don't actually understand your condition, and very therefore good. they can't advise you. Very, very good. Yeah, I can. Well, I've had a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and they mean well. They're trying to help, and what they're saying is true for their reality, but not for yours. Yeah. And so, you know, rather than get pissed off at them and say, oh, I 
thank you so much for the advice. I totally understand what, what where I, you're coming from. What I love from. about you articulating it, that's what I love about articulation generally. If you articulate it, it, it gives people, it gives me hearing it. It feels like, yeah, that, that, it, it exists. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Some people have got that. And it fits with that idea of the, the, the process of emergence for me. It's like there's people who've, who are, who've caught the evolutionary wave and they're just right. and they're they're, up there uh, now. And we collectively are trying to participate consciously in getting that potentiality. And, and nothing else will existence. do, will it? That, and once you really get no. it, it's like, it's like, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late to go back stop, to sleep. Well, you, you can stop, you can stop doing it. And then you'll be like doing your job and going to work and doing this kind of thing. And, and inside beating yourself up because you're not doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, which is a valid option. People say you can't do that. Of course you can do that. Lots of people do that. And there's also, there's of course, emotional. you know, just, just because I feel this, it's like, there's also, the way you do whatever you happen to be doing as well, can't it? Right. It doesn't have to yeah, be. It's I not like you have to leave your job. You just have exactly. to engage with exactly. your job as a change agent and you're fine. Right? Exactly. All right. So messengers, what's Good. that? So messengers, generally speaking, subset of change agents. I okay. don't know many messengers who aren't also change agents. Okay. But so, so the, the, in, in the true purpose system, message is the wisdom that you're meant to share with the world. Right. In the sense that I, fragmented off as a spark of the one and came down and incarnated part of what I, I came here with stuff to do. I came here with stuff to be, but I also came here with stuff to say. And so the question is, well, what is it you came here to say? Right? So in that sense, we're all sparks of the one. We all came with a message. Everybody has something to say. Now there's a lot of things you could say, but we're talking about like, what is it that it's your purpose to say? Like you came here to say this, and that's that's a higher bar, right? Big M message. And so the world is listening. You've got the microphone, and you came to say what? Now, everyone has a message. The thing that distinguishes a because then the term messenger means nothing if everyone's a messenger, right? I, I, I love that when people say everyone's a leader, and I'm like, okay, good, yeah. we can just delete the term from the dictionary. Everyone's a person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so while everyone has a message, everyone's not a messenger. A messenger, again, in our arbitrary distinction, sure. is someone who has been instructed, who is called, who is compelled to spread that message on a large scale. Because yeah. lots of people, their messages for their friends and their family and their coworkers, and they deliver that message, check they have fulfilled their obligation, right? And they feel f satisfied and fulfilled by it, right? They're having lunch with people and they give them their message and they're good. And there's other people like you and me who get on computers and record stuff to send to thousands and thousands of people. Why would we do that, Tim? Uh, I, often, I often wonder, Tim. <laughs> We're not getting paid to do this, no, right? No one's no. going to write me a check for spending time having this conversation with you. No. I'm really busy. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Because I have been told to put my message out on a large scale. And yeah. when opportunities to do that show up, a voice in my head says, hey, Tim, remember? Yeah, yeah. you're part of your job. Just like that. Yeah. So. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're a messenger too. Yeah. 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 Oh, ye of many books. <laughs> <laughs> a loud mouth, I think is the expression. <laughs> well, hopefully, right. If your mouth's not very loud, you're not going to be an effective messenger. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and, and there, and there's, a, I, I presume there's a sort of a symbiotic relationship also between change agents and messengers. 
Well, in the sense, so messengers are a subset of, this is what it looks like. Messengers are a subset of change agents and being a messenger is one of the ways of, of creating change. Yeah, yeah. And so many change agents use messaging to some degree, but yeah. for not all of them, is it like, this is the thing. Now, there's a couple gotchas, of, like, like I was talking before about the change agent having a conversation with your friends who are trying to help you out. There's stuff like that for messengers too. So for messengers, first of all, messengers are called to one-to-many relationships. Right, so that would you know being a movie star, um, being a, a newscaster, writing books, giving talks, leading workshops, leading companies. Right, if you're if you have 500 people working for you, you have a captive audience. You can call them all together and tell them whatever you want, whatever you want. Right, so there's all these different situations that give someone the opportunity to spread their message and messages are automatically naturally drawn to those positions and situations. Being a preacher, I mean, there's any number of different ways that that one-to-many relationship could work, but messengers are gonna tend to consciously or unconsciously maneuver themselves into those positions. Now, that's the upside. Part of the downside is messengers aren't born necessarily knowing consciously what their message is. So just like with the change agents, they feel this compulsion to create change, but they're not quite sure which change you're supposed to create or how. There's the same problem with the messengers where it's like, I know I have a message. I know it's put out there. And I, I don't know what it is. Um, and so that the part of the self-discovery process is the discovery of the message. Having discovered the message, there's a new problem with the messengers are mostly, not always, mostly terrified of putting that message out into the world because of the possible social consequences of doing so or financial consequences of doing so. And so there's this whole yes, no thing that goes on with getting oneself in a position where one is willing, not just able, but willing to put one's message out to the world. And that too is a process. And some messengers never make it through both of those processes. They never both discover what their message is and get themselves in a position where they're willing to put it out into the world. I love all that. That's beautiful. That really is. I was thinking, you know, that, you know, we've been talking philosophy today and, and I've been talking about ideas, but you know, the biggest thing I've probably done over the last 30 years really is, is give people an experience of the one. That's what I do and, and mm -hmm. take people to this huge love. And that's my joy, deepest joy is when you see people just get it, especially for the first time or any time where it's like, oh my God. And they just, it's such a powerful, beautiful thing. And I've, I've been with thousands of people now who've had that. And, and when I started off, my ambition was that, that was like, I really want people to share. I have this experience. I just want other people to share it. And that feels like what I need to do. And then about 10 years ago, maybe a bit less, I realized actually what I really want, my ambition had grown. It was bigger. It was like, what I really wanted was people to have that experience and then feel empowered, deep empowerment as an individual. And I really wanted people who, 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 who had any context with my work to go away feeling like, you know, not going away feeling like, oh, Tim, he's great. It's like, that's nice. But what I really wanted was them going away, yeah, I can, I can do this or I can be this. And like you said, it wasn't to do with what. It could be very public. It could be very small and private. It didn't matter. What mattered was that deep sense of this is where my soul can really be itself 
form itself and can contribute. Where I can flourish, where I can evolve, where I can, where I can uh, create my maximum potentiality in the world. Exactly that. Mm -hmm. And, and it feels like if we can, if we can hold, we can do that for each other. That's how actually the change will come. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, and like you, I think, I think it is, you know, there's obviously there's plenty of things where you might think it's not, but also there's plenty of things where it is. So yeah. my, my, um, my thought to end our conversation, um, which has been fantastic, Tim, I've really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Has been, is, is what well, personal, it's a personal thing where it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to take some time and use that idea that you've been sharing and uh, go to the deepest, most emergent place in myself and touch that beautiful oneness with that kind of like yeah what is it what is it now you know and i have a strong mm-hmm. sense already but it's like like well yeah let's let's open up to something unexpected right and yeah, i don't to, normally to do this with the me. question and getting an unexpected answer may lead you yeah somewhere faster or yeah. a shorter path or it, absolutely it's it needs to be there the whole time and and a kind of feeling which I say I normally I don't do this in the conversations for this series, but it feels like you know I, I just want to uh, encourage anyone who's listening just to just to do that, just to try mm-hmm. that, and to, to see see what it is that they that that they find. Because if we all do that, mm-hmm. if we tune into that great thing which is greater, which is love, and then mm-hmm. let it guide us. And then engage with it, like you said, as not as some subservient thing which is in the way, but actually as the thing it's trying to nurture. Right, right. It wants us to grow and evolve and use it our absolutely preferences and opinions does. and desires. And, and it wants us to skills. be creative and to find mm-hmm. the resources and to turn and to form ourselves, mm-hmm. to form ourselves um, in, in ever greater ways. And what, mm-hmm. what a beautiful, you know, and to just tie back with the very start of the thing when you talked about that vision which is so prevalent in our society from the kind of that materialist thing of the, the empty universe, mm-hmm. clever monkeys on a ball waiting to die. Mm-hmm. It, and the, and the, and the, and the loss of meaning. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, there's something here which can give so much meaning and doesn't deny any of that, or any <laughs> of the knowledge. It can embrace all of that and yet bring such meaning to this, this amazing experience we're having. Yeah. The thing I'm going to take away was that thing you said about the ego needing to be stronger in the relationship. Cause we, we tend to, you know, we're traditionally taught to try to make it weaker or make it go away altogether. And the idea that, well, if, if the ego is going to have a real relationship with the one, it needs to be strong enough and big enough and healthy enough to engage in that relationship in a meaningful way. Right. In the same way that if you and I are business partners and you're so racked with self-doubt and self-criticism that you can't tell me your opinion about what our company should do, you know, it's like, come on, dude, (laughs) like hold up your end of the relationship here, you know? (laughs) And so the, 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 you know, as as a healthy, evolving, growing ego, trying to create something interesting in reality, then we can engage with the one and get help with that process and yeah. help it with its process yeah. rather than having to like shoot ourselves or become a slave or something like that. Yeah. 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 So I've just, what was just in my mind seems like a nice place to end is, is uh, my favorite American poet Walt Whitman, where he just says, here I stand with my robust soul. 
and my robust ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here I am with this robust identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, we can stand up straight inside ourselves. My, my friend, um, Yakov Darling Khan, who's a shaman, has just written this book and just given me a copy of it to read. And he had this wonderful line in it where he said, the time has come to something like, we need to stand up straight inside our souls and live the lives we're meant to live. And it's that mm-hmm. kind of stand up straight. And it's coming through the culture. You know, Jordan Peterson's message is very much that as well. That kind of like, come on, let's just be let's who let's you do are. This thing. Be who you are <clears throat> because you are worthy. You are worthy, and the individual is not in the way. It's not the problem. It's not the evil. No, it's, it's actually, the instrument. It's yeah. It's the foundation from which all the rest is coming. It's been a a wonderful process to get us here as two Tims having this conversation, and <laughs> and and we just need to endorse ourselves and each other and encourage the best to come out. And yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. It's been thank a real you. delight. It really has, and uh, yeah. May your purpose unfold before you. I am absolutely confident it will. And yours as well.